just wanna have peace Pay for the bill, let them take my card, never see the receipt Good health, we prize, but everybody around prosperity What's up guys and welcome to the Live Better Podcast. This is your host Jay Ciano and this is the show for people trying to optimize every area of their life. Let's go. I just want to have peace. All right, what's up guys? So welcome to another Live Better episode and I could not be more excited for today's guest. So I have the one and only Ann Malum, very close friend of mine which makes this podcast episode even more special. But Anne has way too many accomplishments for me to run off quickly on uh, on an intro, but she is the founder of Solid Core. Even before that, she founded Back on My Feet, a national nonprofit, which speaks volumes about Anne's character. She transitioned to the for-profit space. We actually scaled Solid Core to 100 locations uh, a few months back, and she exited for a very large number. And uh, we're working on some new projects together, Ambition. Uh, she has her own How To with Ann Malum podcast, and she's working on a masterclass as well, which we'll talk about. But guys, you're gonna get lots of amazing nuggets from one of the most successful fitness entrepreneurs of our time. Hope you enjoy the episode. All right, guys. So today I have an amazing guest, a dear friend of mine. I cannot wait to have this conversation. The one, the only, Anne Malum. Anne, welcome to the Live Better podcast. So nice to get on a podcast where I don't have to tell someone how to pronounce my last name. It, you know what? I mean, there's, by the way, I, I, there's so many things we could talk about that it actually makes it more challenging because we know each other so well. I know. Well, let's talk about some controversial stuff. That's always fun. That is fun. All right. Well, <laughs> we're just, so we're starting season two. We're changing the direction of the podcast a little. And you've been such an inspiration to me about my personal growth journey, which is obviously a very important topic to both of us. But I wanted to dive in with some old Anne versus new Anne. And I'm going to throw a couple of topics because I think it's interesting for you to talk about how your perspective has evolved and changed as you continue to evolve and change. So okay. old Anne's perspective on fitness and health. Old Anne's perspective on fitness and health was all about vanity and how, you know, all I cared about was working out is, is this going to give me the body that I want this sort of ideal body shape? My whole identity was wrapped up in how I looked more so than how my body was performing and functioning. And I think that's probably a little normal, right? The, the older we get, we realize we're super thankful for our body's ability to be able to do the things that we enjoy. For me, that's being as active as possible, being able to, you know, sprint on a treadmill, lift heavy weights, and of course, play, you know, play volleyball, play basketball with my nieces and nephews, and just overall not think about how my body feels on a day-to-day -day basis because it's always feeling great, right? And so um, that's the, probably so the biggest difference. New end, so that that you're, that's basically your your new perspective on on oh, fitness. Totally. And, it's, yeah. and don't get me wrong, I still want to look good, right? But but my when I'm deciding what to do to work out uh, or when I'm working out, it it has a bigger vision for me. Um, I think about longevity. I think about life in my 60s and 70s and what I can be doing now to continue to have. Uh, the quality of life that I want to have. 
old Anne's perspective on alcohol? Um, oh, I was good at the justification equation for two decades, maybe close to two decades. And what I mean by that, and, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to any of our vices that we have, right? Everybody says, everybody needs advice. You know, oh my God, I, I kill it in these other areas. I'm so much healthier than 95, 99% of the population. I exercise every day. I, I eat well. I don't eat sugar. I, you know, don't drink soda, some, you know, maybe a Diet Coke or a Coke Zero on a special occasion, but everything else I'm killing it. So what's the big deal if I have a drink or two, you know, most evenings? Um, Jay, you and I have riffed on our, our relationship with alcohol a lot, and you and I are different drinkers, you know, and same with my boyfriend, who's a different drinker. He's more, if we're going to drink, we're going to drink and go for it. And I'm like, no, that's not my game. Mine is, I'm just yeah. going to have one to two on a daily basis. And you start to think about shit, that's, you know, 60, 60 drinks a, a month potentially. And that's like, I would never have 60 pieces of cake or, you know what I mean? Anything else that I sort of consider a vice or that I would allow myself. And so I last year really took a break, um, a 30, a 30 day break, like everybody else, 30 days is not enough. Uh, you might convince yourself you don't have an issue in 30 days because you didn't need a drink in 30 days, but you easily go right back into old habits. So I gave myself 90 days of not drinking alcohol and really did the research, Jay, on like how everybody's been bamboozled with this drug and that it needs to be a part of our everyday lives to be uh, in, like our lives are better enhanced. We're more successful. We're more attractive. We're more sophisticated. I mean, the marketing industry has some of the best marketers I've ever seen. So the old Anne would justify that habit and not look for the real information on how bad alcohol is for you. And the Anne today realizes that alcohol does not have the, the place in my life that it, that it used to. I'm not 100% sober, but you know I might have a, a couple drinks over the course of two weeks versus a couple drinks you know, every single, every single day, it's a mindful decision. It's a conscious decision. And it's not just something I do haphazardly and justify my behavior. I know it's not good for me. And when I'm having a drink, I'm saying, okay, is this something I really want to do? And there better be a really valid reason for it. If I'm going to, if I'm going to do it. That's a, it, I mean, when you just said that a few drinks a day, like could add up to like 60 drinks a month, that's actually a much larger number than it would have I would have calculated quickly in my head. That's a, that's a lot of alcohol. One might not feel that way when you're actually doing it, but when you think about it from the perspective of 60 drinks is a lot of alcohol. Totally. And yeah. Jay, you and I talk about how slow success is, right? The slow build of every day. You can be doing that on the opposite too for the detrimental things. And you think in the moment, right? It's one or two drinks. We isolate it to a day, but just like everything else, compounding interest comes into play and over time, you know, when your when your liver, when your organs, when your muscle tissue, I mean, again, either thing, this the slow demise of something and the slow build of something, you know, everything adds up one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, and you're right. We have different. We drink differently. Where you never would like binge drink and be out of commission for a day or two. No. Uh, 
I can't say the same, but this isn't about me. This is about you. Well, but, I, but for everybody listening, I want to remind you, everybody, most people I think are like me and you think you don't have an issue because you're not shitting the bed and missing work and, you know, relationships and, and missing appointments or whatever, and you're able to, to handle it. I'm not saying you, 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 you have a problem, but looking at it and saying, how is this going to benefit me down the road? What issues am I going to have, you know, from doing this thing? And I think the risk reward, right? Peter Atia talks about this and same with my book I love called Die With Zero. If you get so much benefit out of doing something that enhances your life so much, it's probably worth doing. I just don't think alcohol is probably that thing for, for most people. Um, you've just never tried living without it and seeing what it's like to go to a concert, a party, a beach, a Friday night, a Saturday night. I mean, again, Jay, you and I can talk about that forever, but I don't think your life, your life is any less fun or thrilling or quality of life or anything since you've, you know, quit alcohol. No, I mean, quite frankly, I'm actually just more aware and present of what's actually going on and I can enjoy it a lot more than I typically would numb or inebriated. Yeah. Last exactly. topic, last topic. Um, old Anne versus new Anne on money. On money. Um Again, I didn't grow up. So I'm from North Dakota, for those of you who, who may not know me or ever heard of me, which is probably a lot of you. But I, I grew up in North Dakota and I grew up with a, a mom who's a teacher and a dad who, you know, didn't really like to work. He sold insurance and, and never really made a lot of money. We were definitely lower middle class. My family had to save two to three years so we could go on, you know, one vacation every three years or so. Um, we weren't poor. We had food on the table. But, you know, I was sort of taught what a lot of people are taught about money, which is you, you know, put enough money away for a rainy day. You, you live a, you know, modest life and you sort of have enough to, to get by. Um, and, you know, I never really adopted that lifestyle. I always thought, oh, I want to be a little more comfortable than that. Um, and so thought I was capable of, of earning more and smart enough to earn more. Um, and that's been gradual, but now I think really big about money. I love the game of money and anybody who says, you know, I hate, I hate when people villainize money and demonize money. Only people who do that are people who don't know how to make it, uh, as far as I concern. And I love the quote of people who say, listen, I've been happy and poor and happy and rich, and I'll take happy and rich every single time. Um, so I don't limit myself about how much money I can make, how much money I can produce as an entrepreneur. Money is a trophy for me. It means I'm winning the game. It means I'm doing a great job. Um, and I'm continuing to educate myself on how to turn my dollar into 10, how to turn that 10 into a thousand and so forth and, and so on. So um, I don't have any limits for my, myself on money and what I'm capable of, whether that's, you know, billions of dollars down the road. I, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say like, I can't believe how that happened. Um, if that's something that I want to do, I know I'm very capable of doing that. Love that. Love that. So in the spirit of living better, there's typically somebody has a pivotal moment in their life where they want to make changes and they just make the conscious decision that, I want to live better. Is there a moment in time for you in your life that, you know, something happened that had that effect on you? Um, I think I probably have to go back to like throwing up my food. I know a lot of women have their own eating disorders, even if it wasn't as severe as being, being bulimic or, 
uh, anorexic, but the thought of food, when to eat, what not to eat, when I can eat, when I can throw things up, uh, the amount of hours and years that took up of my life, you know, I would wake up. How long, did, how long did you actually, it's you and I know each other so well, and we've actually never really dug into that part of your life. How long did that go on for? Um, from 16 to like 27 with, you know, bouts of, of more severe than other, but it was really bad between, you know, 24 and, and 26 because I was, you know, completely lost and I wrapped up my whole identity in, in, in how I looked um, and how I was going to be accepted into the world based off of how I looked. Um, and then once you start doing it, your whole identity gets wrapped up and that you're the girl who's never going to be satisfied with her body. All my time and energy and thoughts were dedicated to it. So if I didn't have this thing I was trying to work on or fix, like what was I going to do with all my energy? That's, that's literally how sick uh, it was. And I know a lot of people out there have gone through that as well. You don't know who you are without this, you know, addiction running your life. And so um, the major switch for me, talk about living a better life was really the form of, of giving and helping others, if I'm being honest. Uh, when I started back on my feet when I was 27, you know, that's the nonprofit um, that uses running to help the homeless create self-sufficiency within their lives. And, and I had been looking, Jay, for fulfillment and purpose over the last couple years, um, was really isolated. And so when I discovered sort of this newfound purpose and meaning, uh, I finally stopped caring enough about what felt for me my superficial bullshit because I knew I couldn't be sick and continue to live this way and, and help uh, in the way that I felt like I could help these individuals that I had met living in this homeless shelter. So it was this bigger purpose and calling that frankly, you know, forced me to, to make some changes with my, with my health, knowing like I can't help people if I'm sick. So after starting back on my feet, that's when you started to actually I, the, the issues, did you, go or... did you go to, I'm like, I didn't, it's like, I just, I started caring enough again about, about other people that my time and energy and identity was starting to shift into, no, no, no. I'm the girl who helps people. I'm not the girl who throws up their food. And I like, yeah. I like that better. I like the sound of, of that better. Um, and I feel like it would, you know, again, create much more fulfillment in my life than putting my head over the toilet. So, th so that's a good segue into your entrepreneurial journey. So walk us through back on my feet to solid core and then all the new things that are on your plate. So back on my feet, you started to give us the story on that. Tell us about how you evolved back on my feet and then how you started solid core. Yeah. I'm going to try to give you the, the short story. The bridge even version. Yeah. Yes. Um, so yeah, I started this nonprofit simply by starting a running club when I was, you know, 26, about to turn 27 um, again, so starved for fulfillment. And then when I saw these guys, when I was running by them, my, my father is an addict. So I think there was some universal spiritual pull toward wanting to, to help and connect with them. Um, ended up convincing the shelter to let me start this running club. Uh, and over the first six weeks, I was like, there's something here. Um, this is a, a pivotal, monumental, maybe even the paramount step to these guys really changing their life. They didn't have community. Uh, they didn't have an area where they could focus on being better and being, being rewarded for making, you know, good decisions. They've been beaten down. I mean, can you imagine what it's like being a 45, 50 year old male 
in a homeless shelter and how many people just take the opportunity to kick you down when you end up at that stage, at that st end up at that place in that stage of your life, there was no positive community for this these group of men. So, you know, was like, I, I got to take a shot on seeing if I can build this into this vision that's living in my head here. Um, didn't take the advice of every single person who told me I was crazy and naive for wanting to dedicate my life to helping these individuals, right? And again, first lesson is most people who've never done what you've done or even thought about doing what you're doing are going to tell you you're nuts, this won't work, you know, does it make sense, doesn't fit into anybody else's societal economical norms on on how you can possibly create a life for yourself. Um, so did that, surrounded myself with a lot of smart people and and we started executing on the vision and, you know, Jay, making a ton of mistakes. And I'll tell you what, being naive really does work in your favor because you don't know, you don't know the obstacles that are ahead. And when you don't know they're there, they're not going to stop you because you think they're going to, you know what I mean? Like, totally. I think first time being an entrepreneur, you're just like, I'm going to do it. And then a challenge comes, you're like, well, I'm already in the deep end. I got to figure it out. So that's what a lot of that was for me of I'd never been a founder before. I'd never been a CEO before. I, you know, never led people before. I'd never managed anybody before. I had a lot of lessons to learn and I, and I made a lot of mistakes, you know, but I, I saw my talents and capabilities during that time, what I was good at and what I wasn't so good at. And I understood how to scale. I understood how to put systems, processes, make an experiential brand, uh, have scale. And I'm like, I don't know if a lot of people are as good at this if I am. So when it was time to move on from back on my feet, didn't think that would have happened when I first started it. Um, I knew I wanted to try my hand in the for-profit space and I wanted to do something that like I felt I could win at. Uh, so I was super passionate about fitness. And again, I knew that I could scale things. So when I discovered Pilates, which again, as someone who worked out all the time, I didn't know Pilates was such an effective workout until I did it. And I was like, that's insane. So I felt there wasn't a brand in that, a premium brand in that space. And I was like, I can, my skill sets and talents you know, he'd really well toward building a, a brand, a company that does this. Um, so that was my next venture. I, I had saved, I was fortunate enough to be paid to go and speak at this point. And I just was putting away every extra dime I had beyond my rent and living expenses. Um, and at that point, over six years, had managed to save 175,000 from zero, mind you. I didn't have a dime when starting back on my feet. And so when it was time to, you know, make solid core happen, I just put all my chips in um, and opened my first studio. Same thing. Like I didn't, I didn't know anything about building out a space, signing a commercial lease. And for all the entrepreneurs who want to want to be entrepreneurs out there, I always tell folks, you're not going to know everything. And there's not one entrepreneur you will find out there that had it all figured out when they started. You have to know enough and you need to figure out what talents, skill sets, uh, and assets do you need to possess that's going to best serve that business? And if you can answer enough of those that you think will make that business successful, that's enough for me to, 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 to take the leap. Um, I'm not detail oriented. I'm not, I'm not the best at operations, like, you know, being in the weeds and minutia and whatever, like not, not my skill set. but I figured at some point I'd be able to hire somebody, you know, to support that side of the business. Um, but like I said, I knew I had enough, enough talent on my end to at least get the thing going up and running and, you know, get some legs behind the brand.
You sure did. So that <laughs> that's where, uh, well, one thing I, I want to ask you, how important do you think it is that entrepreneurs have skin in the game? Uh, I would I would never invest in anybody or anybody's business who does not have, and I'm not talking about a little skin. I'm talking about a, a, a lot. It needs yeah. to be uncomfortable that you have no, you know, no other option. And that's what, that's, what's going to drive you. So it's important to one, have skin in the game and two, Jay, make sure you pick something that you're obsessed about. You know, once I found this, this workout, I was like, I want as many people to feel as good as I do by doing this workout. It's effective. Right. I was seeing results. There wasn't jumping and pounding. Like there, I'm like this, there's something really here and nobody knows about it. So I was, you know, as enthusiastic as I possibly could be about introducing people, getting them into solid core, because I knew it was going to make their life better. Yeah. I mean, and, and from the very beginning, you know, I, you and I met, uh, it's got to be seven years now. Well, yeah, and yeah it, probably eight. And you were always so clear on your vision. That was one thing for me. Like the minute that I met you, you told me exactly what your plan was, exactly what you wanted to do. And I thought it was very unique also that along the way, you had no problem telling people that you were growing this business to a certain point to exit. Right. Yeah. People don't typically I've... do that. You were, that was always very unique. Yeah. I just was talking to, you know, a, a girl giving her some advice around her own business. And I'm like, listen, there's nothing wrong with having a small business and, and running that one studio or two studios. I'm never going to criticize somebody. If that's what you want, I'm going to give you really different advice. But there's a much different advice you need to hear if you want to build a company. And a lot of founders get in their own way when they're built. If they want to build to exit, that means you need to put a team in place. You need to trust. You need to not be in the meetings. You need to, you know, you're going to have to allow a few mistakes to happen. Now, listen, the bigger the company gets, the more talent you pay for. I always say this line, and it's a sports analogy, Jay. But like when you're the CEO of a company, right? So when I, I talk about Brian Myers a lot, Brian knew when he was COO, when I was giving him the compensation package he was getting and then CEO, you don't get, you got to have a really good batting average. You know, people say like, oh, I'm going to make mistakes too. And I'm like, listen, wait a minute. A marketing coordinator gets to make a whole lot more mistakes than, than the CEO because the CEO level of decision-making is so much higher and those decisions can have massive upside or really adverse impacts for, you know, for the business. And you have to bring on that talent. You've got to set expectations. And it's like, yeah, you've got to step up to the plate and you've got to hit some triples and home runs with your decision-making, with your ideas. And so many people think that they want to grow in their roles. They want to be CEOs. And guys, that's what it is sitting at the table. There's no one telling you what to do and how to ex execute. You have to come up with the ideas. You need to say, how can we grow this business from here to here? And people are looking you know, at you uh, and, and hiring the team on how to do it. The answer doesn't exist yet, you have to find it. So um, yeah, now, now I feel like I'm rambling and totally forgot your question. <laughs> no, no, I, I, you're sharing such amazing you know, things with, with, uh, with the <laughs> folks listening here, but let, I, I'll ask you, you know, again, I've worked with several founders of very big, well-known brands and SolidCore being the best story, one of the best stories in my career and, and definitely the best story uh, where I was along for the ride from a very early stage of the company all the way through to the exit of the company and hitting well, that hundred. What's that? And you're still involved. 
Post me. Still involved, yeah. But but you know, we literally executed your goal and we did it with COVID right. happening, right? So, you know, but what would you say? Like it's even even though you had this clear mission, it's still not it's very rare that somebody does what you did. Like it's it's very rare that they accomplish that. So what do you think were the unique things that allowed you to actually execute that vision come hell or high water and actually, you know, and not fall short of the hundred locations that you said, I'm going to hit a hundred and I'm going to exit. Yeah. Like, I mean, listen, what, what was the secret sauce I, there? I mean, you got, I think it's a few things, right? It's like whenever I ask you, Oh my God, what's the weight loss secret? It's, it's never one thing. It's, yeah. it's never, if it was one thing, you people would say one thing and they would go do that, that one thing, but the, the, the magic is, pill, right? It's, it's exactly. It's never works that way. First things first, I, I wanted it. I wanted it more than anybody else wanted it. And I still remember when COVID happened and I was like, you know, shutting down every single studio with no idea when they were going to open again. I'm like this, whatever this is, is not taking this from me. I have worked far too long. This means far too much to me, my employees and the people who use Solid Core as church. You know, it is where they, 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 they go to, to service and like the, I don't know what every, I don't know as much as anybody else does about the pandemic right now, but this is not the end of this company. There's, there's no way. Um, and I'm a little bit of a wartime CEO. So when things get tough and if things get tough and business was already tough or you never were kind of in it and you were looking for reasons to, you know, to be out, like COVID was it, you had an easy out, right? Like, Oh, landlords, it's too hard, whatever. We came up with such a game plan during COVID and Jay, the biggest thing when we, when I, when I kept on my 12 people cut their salaries in half, cut my salary completely, laid off the other 99% of employees, you know, we knew the biggest thing we had to do was get the landlords on our side. Yeah. We had, you know, at that point, 77 leases or 77 studios open plus, you know, what, 12 to 15 leases signed. And we had to get these people to root for us and let them know we are going to be here when this is over, but we won't be if we don't get your help. So me and my legal counsel, Dimple, you know, I, I'm decent negotiator, but we were like, I'm like, we got to get better. We started reading negotiation books. We were like, what's important to the landlords here? They don't really need, you know, our cash for such a small footprint. What do they need? You know, yelling and screaming at them was not going to do it. We, we really relationship build. Um, and I mean, there may be one or two, but of those 77 studios, we didn't have to pay rent when we were closed. And that is not the story of a lot of other places because either they didn't fight hard enough, they didn't, they didn't do the relationship building, but you know, we couldn't afford 77 lease payments due without any revenue coming in. Yeah, um, I mean, it was, so that was, it was flawless execution from like, from, and you didn't hesitate. That's another thing you, you, you acted with conviction right away and you knew yeah. that if you didn't it would have been a different story and and you know it's really amazing because you know there's very few uh fitness concepts that you know that that are healthier today than they were pre-covid yeah um, and solid core is definitely one of them yeah and jay I'll say, I'll say another thing again about people who are sitting in the founders you know position and we we talked about it just for a second before but you, you got to check your ego at the door. You, you need to continue. I always tell people when they're growing a business and sometimes I say six months, sometimes people need to hear three months. Every three months you need to look at and say, how am I serving the business? And it, let's just use a fitness studio since we're talking about that. If 
the three months in versus three, six, nine, 12, I was still coaching 20 classes a week. And I told myself a story that, oh my God, well, I have to coach because no one will come if I'm not coaching in the studios. If I'm spending 20 hours, which in essence is 30 plus coaching, that takes away time for me doing other things. And so I'm like, okay, well, what's Anne's best ability to impact the business? I need to grow it. I need to get more locations open. I can hire great trainers, great coaches that, I, that can execute this workout, connect with the clients, build community. I don't need that on my resume. Other people cannot just do that well. They can probably do it better than I could. So it was right. like, okay, I got to decrease my class load and I got to decrease the, I, I don't need to do the schedule anymore, right? That, that doesn't need Anne Malum's talent. Someone else can handle the class schedule. The, the payroll, which was time consuming, the customer service questions, it was like, administrative, very easy task, doesn't take vision to do these things. I need to focus on brand equity, getting locations open, speed to market, so that when people are like, there's six solid cores around. What am I missing out on? I see these things everywhere. It must be an excellent workout. And I needed to get speed to market. And I knew that I had the ability to negotiate well with the landlords, get the you know contracts with the GCs, with the general contractors to build out the spaces, and like that, I need to be spending my time on on decisions that are hundreds of thousands of dollars or at least tens in the beginning. And then yeah. as it continued to elevate, I only got involved in conversations that like I could have a million plus impact. Anything yeah, else I, team can't handle, I got the wrong team in place or I'm not empowering them. And you apply that to every area of life, right? It's really like, what's the time value of money here? Right. You know, and, I, and also I think it's really important because you're the only person I think that I've ever worked with that walks into a space and says, what is the ROI of every square inch of this space? Right. And I think the big, one of the biggest um, failures in the fitness industry is a tremendous waste of space, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and, and overpaying rent and build out and all that fun stuff. But um, I don't want to get too, too uh, stuck on solid core. We got a lot to cover. Um, you have a masterclass, you have a book coming out and you also have ambition. Which one do you want to start with? Um, well, let's go briefly to, you know, ambition, okay. I guess it's another, you know, I'll just give a brief overview. It's another wellness and fitness company, you know, in New York with the idea that, you know, every boutique fitness does one thing really well, um, and saw the need that, you know, people I think are going to want two to three, maybe even four modalities options underneath one roof that understands how to execute programming, execute community in a beautiful, in a beautiful space. So we're getting ready to open our third location. This will probably air by the time it's, it's open um, in Flatiron. So we have one in Brooklyn Heights and then one in Chelsea and one in um, Flatiron. We've got amazing strength and conditioning classes again, progressive overload. Like I'm talking about the best strength programming that I've, I've ever seen. Um, Joe Gomez is our head of product and talent, you know, unbelievable. She understands uh, exercise and the body better than anybody I've ever met. And then we have a hot athletic flow, which is all about getting your muscles to failure, you know, lighter weights, more reps in the heat, great for cardio endurance, great for your skin. And again, just a really cool vibe in there. And then we have a recovery class, which is focused on flexibility and mobility. So definitely worth, you know, worth checking out. These are three really amazing formats that are going to, you know, increase and enhance your overall wellness and, and fitness. Love it. And there's definitely a void in the marketplace for that. Uh, what would you say to folks that, that, um, that believe that 
going to in-person workouts are are just no longer a thing? I I mean, I just sold my business a few months ago. So I'd say, <laughs> listen, you know, everybody wants everybody to choose a side. And I'm like, there's always enough people out there. Some people hate working out in person. We're at home. Great. There's, there's enough to cater to, you know, again, go back to COVID. So many people changed their whole business model for a point in time. And we're like, we got to do this because this is the way the world. And we were like, nah, like this is not going to be this way forever. We are not and going that didn't to really pan out so well for the ones that focus solely on that. Yeah, of course not. And so we were just like, no, we are seeing the course doubling down. You know, people want community. They want to be in person accountability. We just never faltered from that belief system. And, you know, February 2021 raised $50 million to back that bet and, you know, started playing offense while most companies were continuing to play defense. We always knew we had an incredible product. And if we could get more studios open, people wanting to come back to in fitness. We actually thought we'd have a bigger pool of people. And Jay, I think I shared this stat with you and whatever, but it was like, now I'm looking on the stat, but millions of people frankly started working out in COVID and got introduced to a workout regimen virtually that yep. was starting to feed the, in once people got comfortable at home, then they wanted to go in person. So they were starting to feed the in-person um, uh, companies and businesses out there. And Solid Core is doing way better than it was before COVID. So I can tell you that, you know, that's a, uh, a myth that is now debunked. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I, I, uh, I know it. And I think I, I could never work out at home. I, I, right. I it's, uh, it's painful. Um, and, and in addition to that, it's just community and, and, you know, socialization is so much more fun when you're, uh, when you're with other people and getting your butt kicked and, and all that fun stuff. Um, let's talk about your book. Cause I don't know enough about your book. So yeah, I know it's tell. Well, we've been going back and forth. We've been doing drafts and, and, and we've really landed in this great place. The book, uh, the book's called Animal Instincts, uh, hence yes. my name. But every chapter is, you know, we, 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 we talk about animal instincts as it relates to life, being successful in life and, and, and business. And we go through everything that I've sort of ever learned. Um, I'm real excited about it, you know, hope to have it done by, you know, early December before the holidays. But, you know, I think it's full of really great stuff, Jay, that people don't talk about. You know, it's like you can get this standard advice, like hire great people. It's like, OK, what does that actually mean? You know, I know how to deal with constant um, people trying to, to, to tear me down. Again, I understand how to scale businesses, start businesses, cash flow, um, you know, taking big risks, not listening to other folks. There's just a lot in there that my journey, the, the things that I've done really well, the mistakes that I've made, I think can really help people do take action on the things, especially around business that they keep talking about, but they don't know how to get going or they have a studio or they have this one store, one location. They don't know how to get it to 20. Um, so I'm excited to share, you know, all of that. I, I, all I that. can't wait. That, that's, I'm so excited to read that, but is there, is it like, is it very solid core driven or is it, yeah. is, it's, it's, it's all over it's, the place? Just yeah. Yeah. Love I mean, I've, I've been a founder, you know, now three, now three times and have experienced building a nonprofit for six and a half years as a young person who'd never, again, as I mentioned, never led, never managed, never been a CEO, all of the things I learned. I mean, Jay, I, I, I had these, this amazing board for back on my feet. It got so much attention from the media. So I was fortunate to get C-level people to want to sit on my board. I call a board meeting. I don't let anybody talk. For the first hour, I, I mean, and, and people are like, Ann, why are we here? 
And I was so concerned and so insecure of like, you guys are going to figure out I'm not smart enough to do this. So I just need to convince you at this table and talk the whole time. And, you know, I had a really good mentor who was like, and if you want people to be engaged, you need to let them give you their opinions and ideas and ask for help. So anyway, it's from that to yes, you know, starting a, a for-profit business, scaling, scaling it, you know, um, building out the team, succession planning and, and exiting and the emotions that, you know, come along with that. So you can be in charge and have an amazing, frankly, you know, exit if that's what you want to be doing. Um, again, to dealing with the resilience, how you build tough skin, how you handle it when things are going to get really tough to, of course, you know, moving on to, you know, the third entrepreneurial effort I have. And there'll also be some things about money in there. So, awesome. yeah, I think it's going to be a really well-rounded book that's going to, you know, relate, be relatable, inspirational and educational for a lot of people. I love it. So, and tell us about the masterclass, because I think that could be really, really helpful for a lot of people too. Yeah, I've been starting to do some masterclass stuff. I did one on starting a business. I'm going to do one on how to scale a business. Um, again, giving people real tangible example stuff that's not just living up in the meta on how you do these things and giving time, you know, time for folks to ask some tactical some advice. Like, yeah. That, you know, that people like, could take and execute on. Yeah. Love Definitely. that. All right. We're going to end with five questions. You ready for me? Oh my gosh. I didn't get So everybody knows this. I have no idea what Jay's going to ask me, but that's yes. true. And, we're, and we like it that way. What does your morning routine look like? Listen, my morning routine is pretty consistent, but I don't freak out if I, if I miss it. I wake up, it's, it's athletic greens most of the time. Um, and then it's right. I, to I haven't had athletic greens yet and it's like everywhere and it's been around for a while. I know. Do I need good. it? It's good. Brett makes my yeah. morning green. It's like athletic greens. He puts some um, apple cider vinegar in there, lemon juice, turmeric, cinnamon, and, and, and ginger. Um, and he's religious about it. Like he doesn't miss a day. So it's, it's that, you know, some water and then off to the gym, you know, first thing in the morning, five, six days uh, a week, come back and then, you know, get, get right to work for the most part. That's the, that's the routine. Part two, is there anything in that routine that if you, and you travel a ton, different time zones, all that fun stuff. Is there anything that's part of the morning routine that if you miss it, you're just a little off for the rest of the day? Yeah, I don't, I don't eat in the morning either. I know you don't either. Yeah. Usually it's, you yeah. know, I wait till 11 o'clock depending on the time zone to eat. So like, uh, that's really important. And I think if eating in the morning would make me feel uh, off. So like, that's one thing that's always, you know, really, really consistent. But I yeah, I mean, everybody's like, oh my God, you need to wait at 5 a.m. I'm like, I wake up at 6 a.m. And I've always been that way. And in the winter, I probably wake up at 6.30. I get, you know, I prioritize sleep. So everybody has to figure out what works best for you. If you beat yourself up because you miss a morning routine or you miss X, then don't miss it. Like I'm, yeah. I'm, I've got years of experience, Jay, to know if I miss a, a morning of working out because I, I can tell my body needs recovery or something came up. Like, I'm not like, oh my God, I'm off the wagon. I'm never going to work out again. I yeah. know I'm right back on it tomorrow. So like I have enough reps underneath my belt to, to not freak out if I'm like not super diligent about it. Yeah, I think that's I think that's amazing and and you know most people should strive for that where it's like nothing should really rattle you if you miss it that right. morning, you know, like right. that's stupid. But I fall into the trap. Uh who are the three most in influential people in your life? Oh my gosh, dude, this is that's a really hard one for me to answer right now. And I'm going to say It is, right? You you could wing it. You could wing it. Doesn't have to. We're not going to Okay, the three most influential people in my life right now. I mean, obviously I'll have to say Brett because we live together and he's my partner, right? So like what he does- and he's an awesome human. 
he's an awesome human. But like, if, if that wasn't the case, that would there be something wrong with that because we spend so much time together. So if I'm not, I'm one of those people, if I'm not like, if I don't admire my partner, I'm not inspired by my partner, learning from my partner, you're probably not going to be my partner. So I'll definitely, you know, say Brett. I'm going to also say my therapist right now, like, she, you know, she's encouraging and inspiring to me to be able to heal some of the continued childhood trauma that we all think that we're healed from, but still is popping up in areas of my life. Um, so I'm going to say, I'm going to say her. Um, That's a tough question. I know it is. You can limit okay. it to two if you want. Okay. We're going to just go with two. So you don't Let's stick me. with two. What's your favorite childhood memory? I have one of yours that sticks in my mind, but you go ahead. One of my favorite, you have one of my favorite childhood memories. I do. Well, it's not necessarily your favorite childhood memory, but it's one of my favorite childhood memories of yours because it's, it speaks volumes and I actually use it with my kids, but go ahead and then I'll. Oh, I know what you're talking about. And it's it's the formative one where my, where my dad took us. Yeah. So again, my dad took us to a hotel in North Dakota in February. We were complaining about how bored we, we were. And he told us to go get our swimsuits and we pulled up at a hotel, which was very strange. Like, you know, we're like, oh my God, are we getting a hotel room? Which we had never done on a, you know, on a, on a, uh, a weekday before when the house is right there and we live in Bismarck. And he's like, no, but you know, walk in like you own the place and ask where the pool is. And so that's what we did. And we ended up swimming all day and like that kind of don't F with me confidence and walking like you own the place. It's huge and you should try it. Like anywhere you go, people don't ask questions. If you are, you know, head up, shoulders back and walking with uh, some sort of swagger. <laughs> I mean, that had to like shape a lot of who you are in because, and, and I feel like it's, it's such a simple thing, but it really is such a profound concept. And we all have done it. We've all looked at people, Jay, and we're like, that person has something that about them, that genase qua something, and it's totally. how they carry themselves. And you can also do the opposite. You know when somebody's not confident, not secure, uh, you know, just by their body language. It's funny. I just have to add this. We were in the city, and Jax and I, since you know, obviously, Jax, mm-hmm. well, I we, we go to Chipotle. It's just him and I. And he wants green Tabasco sauce, but the bottle's like really empty. And I said, just go ask the guy at the register for a new bottle. He'll give you one. He walks up totally like intimidated, asks the guy like in a mumble. The guy gives him the bathroom code because he can't communicate properly. He comes back. He's like, he's like, dad, he thought that I was asking for the bathroom code. I'm like, Jax, let me show you something. And I walk up to the guy and I ask him very clearly, do you have a new bottle of green Tabasco? This one's empty. He goes and gets the bottle, hands it to me. I walk over to Jax. I'm like, Jax, you have to understand that if you if you don't ask for and go for what you want in life, you're never going to get it. Yeah, that's a great thing. You, you know, you're going to end up with the bathroom code. That's a good, great little thing. <laughs> How great is that? Um, if you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? Empowering people, empowering people to step into their damn power and exactly that of don't be afraid, take, you know, and I just love what everybody thinks that the people who make it, you know, just somehow like we're built different. I'm like, no, they're not. No one likes to fail. No one likes to hear rejection, but you just like anything else, it hurts less the more you do it. It doesn't impact you as much. So like trying to teach as many people as possible to 
go ask for the green Tabasco sauce and stop asking permission and beg for forgiveness. Like you don't have to apologize for taking up space for, for trying and for playing. And, you know, yeah, there's going to be plenty of people out there who, when you fail, want to point out all the things you did wrong, but chances are that person never tried anything in their life and they feel better about themselves watching other people fall down. And like, you don't want to be surrounded with that person anyway. That person's life is not someone you envy. So why do you give a shit about what they say or think? People shouting from the bleachers. Yeah. Um, last question. What do people misunderstand about you the most? Oh, I think people think I'm a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I think people, yeah, I think people think that it's just like, oh my God, Anna's so, and I'm like, yeah, listen, you, you think you're going to get someplace, you know, in business that I, that, with, what's filled with men, private equities, filled with men, contractors, construction, you know, I have to be direct and I have to be clear. But when a woman is direct and clear, it is easily misconstrued that like she's mean and she doesn't work to accommodate everybody or democracy. And I, and I always say your expectations of who you want women to be as, as leaders is not something I ever committed to. I can't win at this game unless I show up with confidence and I show up and I got to piss somebody off because I can't please everybody all the time. And so I think that's the the biggest thing of just like, you know, people associate being clear with being a bitch when being clear is kind, being direct is kind. Um, and yeah, I think people can be intimidated by me when really I'm like fun, playful and silly, but I'm also super smart and I'm not going to dumb myself down to, you know, make somebody else feel better. Just not myself. Well, well said. And, and, you know, it, it's funny. That's a, that, that's a good one. Um, but if you were not, you know, stern and shrewd, you would not have achieved a fraction of what you've achieved. Um, and it's been really, it's been a blessing to me to be uh, involved and in, in behind the curtain for a lot of, you know, discussions with folks that, you know, don't necessarily know what they're dealing with, but figure it out sooner or later. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I appreciate that. Of course. Um, so what would be just one simple tip for our listeners about if they're maybe earlier on in their journey about choosing to live better? What are a few things that maybe you would tell them to think about? This is not going to be brand new information for folks. And there's a reason why everybody always says it. And I always laugh when like people are spending so much money on like skincare, right? But like you're not drinking water, like you're not getting yeah. sleep. Like you can't show up as your optimized self if you're not high, if you're putting shitty food in your body, meaning processed food, right? That's for me the ultimate culprit. Processed food, you're not drinking enough water, you're not sleeping well, not exercising. Like if you can't make those things a priority, but you want a better life, like I don't want to talk to you. Like it's, it's not even a conversation. It's never going to happen. You're never going to fix all your problems doing anything else if you're refusing to do, in my mind, those four things. You want to go cold plunge? but you don't want to eat vegetables. You want to go to sauna, but you won't work. It's just like, I, I don't know how to help you. Like start here or don't start at all, I guess. Yeah, I love that. I think I think you sum it up that, you know, it's really pretty simple, right? It's like the basics and, you know, there's other things that are way more elaborate and maybe cost more money and all that stuff, but yeah. you, can, you can get healthy with real basic stuff. 
totally, Jay. And that's the foundation. I mean, again, there's so many metaphors. You can't build, once you got those things dialed in, yeah, then let's talk about some of the additional things you can do and to optimize all of that stuff, whether it's, okay, some, you know, supplements, how can you optimize your nutrition, you know, even more, what, you know, the sauna, the cold plunge. Okay. Now let's add those things in, you know, into your life. Now let's talk about your money. Now let's talk about mindset, but like your, your health is your number one thing. And you have to get to a point where it's second nature. It's not willpower. You can't wait to go to the gym. You are excited about going to bed at nine o'clock at night because you know, you are your best optimal, most cheery self when you show up, you know, with a well-rested mindset. And I guess I'll say one last thing because I had an interview with somebody and I asked him, you know, what's the number what does success mean to you? And it's an answer that after selling my business, you guys, and made a ton of money, it's like peace of mind. You can have somebody who's very wealthy, very fit, whatever. If they're constantly running in their head and anxious and stressed and frustrated, and these things, you know, that everybody sort of chases, they already have peace of mind is something everybody, regardless of how much you have, what you look like, needs to work on. What are you going to let upset you when someone cuts you off in the street? Does it ruin your whole day? You know, like how do you handle situations? How do you show up with your partner for yourself? Do you fall asleep at night? Are you crazy? And this guy said to me, Jay, who was, he's, he's a coach for billionaires. And he goes, and every single one of my clients shows up to our meetings in a bad mood, bitching about their maid, bitching about their, you know, chauffeur something. And it's just like, what a miserable existence you lead. You have all of the money in the world and you search and seek out these minor frustrations that continue to allow your peace of mind and the way you show up in the world be completely disrupted. And like, I will never be that person. Yeah, I think that's, that's you know, everybody's goal should be peace of mind and happiness and fulfillment. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. So where can everybody find you, find more information, find your podcast, by the way, I didn't mention how to with Ann Malum. Yeah, we well, can find me in Florida these days, but uh, my, yeah, my Instagram is probably the, the, you know, the best. I'm the most active. It's, there's too many social media channels to keep up with. So that's where, if you want to get a hold of me, that's a good one. If you're looking to work with me, my website has the ways in which to do that, which is just annmalum.com. And yes, the Amazing. podcast. Amazing. Well, thank you for your time, friend. This yeah, Jay, nice to talk to you, dude. Good to see you and looking forward to, to seeing you. Good to talk to you. Say hello to Brett. And we'll Same. See Say hi to Daniel. Okay, right. sounds good. All, All right, right. bye.